We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. We're in a new series entitled Capacity. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the fact that we have to move away from any plan B's and sell out to plan A and pursue God with all of our passion. We have to burn our boats and move forward, recognizing if we're going to increase our capacity for God, for love, for forgiveness, for relationships. If we're going to increase our capacity, there are some things that must decrease in our lives. You know, when I watch this video and begin to think about this message, it occurred to me that one of the greatest problems in the modern church is we either ignore the aspect of forgiveness or we don't understand the aspect of forgiveness, or we choose not to practice forgiveness. And as a result, we have trails of wounded people out behind us who have came through the church and for one reason or another have walked out because they've been hurt because we have not shown practice forgiveness. So this morning, this is one of those messages that will challenge us that will cause us to look inside and say, is there something in me that I need to get rid of so that my capacity can increase? For surely that's a truth that we need to consider. How do we increase our capacity? We increase our capacity through forgiveness. You know, it's something that plagues humanity. We're often wronged. I remember the story of the lady who was told by her family, everybody knows you know how to hold a garage and hold a grudge for years and years and years. And she smiled and thought that was something to be proud of. It's not something to wear as a badge of honor. Forgiveness is what you and I should always strive towards as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. He set the example. He made the way so you and I could, in fact, forgive one another and love one another and live in relationship with one another. And I assure you, as long as you're walking in shoe leather and breathing the oxygen of this atmosphere, you will be offended and you will offend those around you. It's just going to happen. It may not mean that you're a gnarly person and that you're burly and you're looking for a fight, but it means you're human. And if that's the case, and it really is, then we as believers wrapped in this flesh have to figure out how do we successfully navigate the perils of relationship? How do we successfully, are we able to mend bridges and heal hurts and restore those who have been disenfranchised from us because of offense and hurt? And it all comes through forgiveness. Most of you, at least those of you who have came here for any time, know that I grew up in western Oklahoma. My family on both sides, mom and dad's side, were pioneers. They went in with the land runs in Oklahoma. On my dad's side, my grandpa was a Sooner. He went in prior to the land runs and he staked his claim, and yes, that was illegal. He did it. And on my mom's side, they actually came in with the land runs and staked their claim. Just so happened that my grandpa at the land runs wasn't there on my dad's side. He was back in Kansas. He came in after the runs, and he found that my mom's great-grandpa had jumped his claim or stolen his land. With a gun, he ran him off that claim, and it began a feud that lasted for 70 years between those two families, living side by side on farms in Oklahoma. They wouldn't help each other. They wouldn't speak to each other. If they had the opportunity, they would do anything to hurt one another. My dad tells a story with a smile on his face that that feud was never ended until he and my mom were married in 1948. 
Amazing, isn't it? How we can see offenses, harbor those offenses, hold those offenses, nurse those offenses for years and years and years and years and still call ourselves Christians. You see, that's not just an isolated incident. And it may be that you're not having a feud with another family, but it could be a family member of your own. It could be a former boss. It could be a neighbor. It could be someone that has sat on the seat beside you in church. So we have to ask ourselves, how do we get past the past? How do we heal the hurt? How do we come to the place where we can honestly and openly and completely Forgive someone who has hurt us. How do we do that? The scripture gives us several examples and illustrations of that happening. And we're going to get to the text in a little while. It's John 21. You can turn there and keep your Bible open. We'll get to that in just a few moments. But we need to understand some key principles of scripture throughout the New Testament. The principles of forgiveness are interwoven. We understand that Jesus came so that we could be forgiven so that we can be restored to right relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. Our sin separated us from Him. But through Jesus, that is remedied, and you and I can be forgiven and restored into relationship. I'm not going to read them, but I'm going to give you some scriptures. You can write them down and read them later. It tells us that in Matthew 7, 2. In Matthew 18, 35. I know I'm going fast. You may have to watch the video. Matthew 7, 2. Matthew 18, 35. Mark 11.25, Colossians 3.13, James 2.13, one more time, Matthew 7.2, Mark 18.35, Mark 11.25, Colossians 3.13, James 2.13. When you read it, the entire book of the New Testament covers the topic of forgiveness and how that relates to our relationships. Now, every one of us who name the name of Jesus Christ understand we've been forgiven by God through Him. Where we fail to make the connection is that same aspect of forgiveness must translate and transcend into our lives and our relationships. So that when someone offends me, I am required by the Word to forgive them. Love the way you're shouting now. And when I offend someone, I'm required by the word. Jesus said, if you remember your brother has an offensive gift to you, leave your gift at the altar and go make it right. And then come and offer your gift of worship. I am required by the word to go and attempt to remedy, to heal, to receive or to ask for forgiveness in that situation. So we ask ourselves this morning, what is forgiveness? Well, let me put it this way. Forgiveness does not excuse sin. Forgiveness doesn't say, oh, that's all right. It really wasn't a problem. It's no bother. Really, you hurt me, but my stay in the hospital wasn't that long. I was able to catch up on my reading. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness calls sin, sin. Forgiveness acknowledges the error, the hurt, the wrong. And it actually holds the one who committed that accountable for their actions. Forgiveness says you hurt me. What you did was wrong, but I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm not going to be hateful. I'm not going to nurse a grudge. I'm going to let it go and I'm going to forgive you. See, forgiveness begins the process of healing, not only in the one who's offended, but in the offender as well. 
But until we begin that process, someone is stuck in that place of offense. Don't let that person be you. So many of us say, well, I'll be happy to forgive them when they come to me and when they say, oh, I'm sorry, please forgive me. That's not a biblical concept. Did you hear the scripture that Matthew West quoted as he closed that video? But God loved us while we were still sinners. He loved us so much that Christ, before we knew we needed a Savior, gave his life for us. You see, you and I need to understand that's the example we are to follow. We don't wait for someone to come to us and say, I'm sorry I offended you, please forgive me. We extend forgiveness before it's even asked for. That's the mark of the disciple. That's how we increase our capacity. For you see, until we are willing to extend that forgiveness, we are building a wall in our heart that nothing can penetrate. We're building a wall in our heart that will be dammed up with hatred and resentment and anger and bitterness and hurt feelings. Oh, come on, folks. You want to be free? It's time to learn to forgive. Even if they don't deserve it, even if they never ask for it, the true believer in Jesus Christ who wants to grow in him, who wants to increase his or her capacity, understands I must forgive. And I must do it again and again and again and again and again. Why do I need to forgive? Well, the story is found in Genesis. You can read it. It's the story of Joseph. His brothers, as you know, were very jealous of him. They wanted to kill him, as a matter of fact. Just do away with him. He was daddy's favorite, and they didn't like that. By the way, parents, it's not good to have favorites among your children. Say amen. You don't need to create that type of resentment and bitterness and jealousy that will occur if you show favorites one over the other. The story is there very clearly in the life of Joseph. They wanted to kill him, so instead of killing him, they sold him to some slave traders. Those slave traders took him to Egypt and they sold him to Potiphar. Potiphar put him to work in his house as a house slave. Understand that. He was a slave. He wasn't there by choice. He was there because he was a slave. You know, false accusations came up against him. He found himself in prison for 13 years. But the long end of that story is that God saw Joseph's heart. And for some reason, God chose to honor Joseph. He gave him the ability to interpret dreams. And that ability, that gift from God, promoted him out of the prison back into the palace. To the point he became the second most powerful individual in all of Egypt, second only to the Pharaoh. And then as we continue this story in the book of Genesis, chapter 51 tells us that the brothers who sold him into slavery came to Egypt looking for food because there was a famine where they lived. And when Joseph saw them, he recognized them. He knew who they were, but they didn't know him. So he put them through a set of tests to determine, are they still evil like they were before, or have they changed? And really, when you read that story, you recognize they really weren't evil. They were just pathetic. Now listen to me. Some of you need to hear this. You've been holding that grudge for so long against somebody because you think they are the devil themselves. You need to understand it's not that they're evil, they're just pathetic. 
You need to let it go. Take the high road. Begin to forgive them and loose that offense and let yourself heal and don't hold it and harbor it for the rest of your life. Because if you do, you are diminishing your capacity for the things of God, for the love of God, for the grace of God, for the mercy of God. You are diminishing your capacity in the relationships you currently have. So many times in marriage counseling, I've talked to individuals and it's came up that really the conflict was just being evidenced among them, but the source of the conflict went back to another instance or another circumstance. Because we hold things, we harbor things, we don't let them go. Matter of fact, when you read Genesis chapter 51, it says that when his brothers came back and Joseph was getting ready to reveal his identity to them, it says that he shut the door And he wept aloud. He wept so loudly, the entire palace heard him. Many people say, why is he doing that? Is he forgiving them at that moment? No, I think he's dealing with the fact that I have to forgive them at that moment. You see, we somehow take biblical figures and we put them on this pedestal and we think they're really not human. Forgiveness hurts. You need to understand that. Forgiveness hurts. It hurts us when we have to let loose of what we have carried for years and years and years. Forgiveness hurts. Joseph wept aloud. But then he revealed himself to his brothers. And the Bible says that he put his arms around them. He wept on them. And this is his words in Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving or salvation of many lives. You see, Joseph understood there's a bigger picture and it's not about me. That's where we struggle, isn't it, when it comes to forgiveness. But I was offended. But I was wrong. But I deserve to feel this way. But I should have justice. But they should come to me and ask for forgiveness. Am I resonating with anyone here this morning or am I just talking to the wall? Sometimes I think I'm just talking to the wall. But we need to understand if we're going to increase our capacity, there is some pain involved. And part of that is being able to acknowledge and forgive those who have offended us. Jesus made it very clear if we refuse to forgive in the Lord's Prayer, what did he say? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those. And now it's back on. Okay. We'll just carry a backup. How about that? And no, I don't need to forgive Zach. That was a technological error, okay? Not a big deal. I love you, buddy. You're doing a great job back there. I appreciate all that you do for me to help me out every Sunday. Amen. Just hang on to that. I might need it again. You never know. Never know. So we need to understand it's our responsibility to forgive. Matter of fact, I have yet to meet the person who doesn't need the forgiveness of God on a daily basis. If you're here, would you please stand up so I can acknowledge you and give you a round of applause? I'm looking for that perfect person who never needs God to forgive them. Is anyone here that fits that category? Anyone at all? I'm telling you, it's not me. I need forgiveness every day. And Jesus said, if I need forgiveness every day, I've got to walk in forgiveness to those who offend me. You see, that goes contrary to human nature. The judge and the jury say it's okay for you to hold a grudge. But I've got news for you. The great I am, the one who sits on the throne, says that's not okay. 
He says, you need to forgive so that I can continue to forgive you. Do you understand that salvation is the initial act of having our sins forgiven and coming to God? But every single day of our lives, if we're going to grow in him, increase our capacity for him, if we're going to know him more and more, we have got to walk in forgiveness. Because when we don't, we slam the door shut on spiritual growth. When we don't, we're sending a message to heaven that says, I got all I need and no more. When we don't, we're saying to Jesus, I'm only going this far with you. That's all I want. I just want to know that when I die, I'm going to make it to heaven. I talked about this two weeks ago. God didn't call us and save us so that we could get to death and then make it safely to the other side of heaven. He called us to make us dangerous. And we need to understand if we're going to be dangerous in the society, we got to be different from this society. Forgiveness is one of those ways we expose our differences. It's one of those ways people see something. All right, Zach, we'll just cancel this and move forward. It causes us to understand it draws people to the throne of grace when they see something in us that's different from them. It's up to the church of Jesus Christ to stand apart and not be the same. We are not called to, in any way, shape, or form, imitate those around us. We are called to imitate God. And God has shown his love to us through Jesus Christ in forgiving us before we even knew we needed that forgiveness. Providing a way of escape before we even knew we needed that way of escape. You see, God is looking for you to be that trigger, that catalyst to forgive those around you so that their lives too can be changed. If we refuse to forgive, we are living in a position of pride. We are living in a place of arrogance. We're saying, I know more than God knows because God doesn't know what I'm going through. Are you kidding me? How arrogant can we be? How prideful can we be? God fully understands that whole concept. That's why I sent his son. That's why when Jesus hung on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He understood that fully and completely. You see, we need to understand we're able to forgive because God is in charge. We also need to understand that forgiveness is an act of faith. It's an act of faith. It, it expresses and, and displays clearly that God is working in our lives. Everything we have, friend, in the spiritual realm is because of our faith in Jesus Christ. But if we draw a line and we say, in this instance and circumstance, I'm not going to live in faith, I'm not going to walk in faith, then we are limiting what God can do in us and through us. Can I challenge you this morning to take the limits off, to let God move through you, to bring the grace and the mercy that will enable you to forgive and to move on? Now, I know I'm not talking to one or two people this morning. I'm talking to most of us in this room. Because all of us have these issues. You may not have it today, but you probably did yesterday, and you probably will tomorrow. So we need to learn to let it go and to forgive. So we need to forgive those who offend us. And then sometimes we need to ask those that we've offended to forgive us. That's a scriptural pattern as well. You see, I'm convinced there are people that have stagnated. They have stopped in their Christian walk because a Christian, a believer, has offended them. 
I'm convinced we have children that have been raised in our homes that are no longer a part of the church because something has happened to offend them. Oh, church, it's time for you and I to be big boys and big girls and go to those that we may have offended and ask them for forgiveness. See, that's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. It's a sign of the presence of God working in us. You could be the trigger. You could be the catalyst that turns their life around if you choose to go to them and ask them for forgiveness. Allow God to do that for you. Reminds me of the couple that got in a fight over how supper was cooked. The man didn't like it. It became a very heated argument, so much so that the wife went to a separate room to sleep that night. And because he refused to ask for forgiveness, she refused to attempt reconciliation. This went on for, can you imagine, for years. In the same house, sitting at the same table, but sleeping in separate rooms because of a silly offense. My friend, that's what happens. That's typical of humanity. We allow things that don't amount to a hill of beans to consume us, and we, in some crazy, twisted way, figure out why we're right and they're wrong, and we're not going to take that first step. I'm here to encourage you this morning to be a man of God, be a woman of God. Reach out to that one that you may have offended and ask for forgiveness. It's a sign of strength. It's not a sign of weakness. Their life may be on hold. They may be filled with bitterness and with regret and with hatred. And you going to them could be that catalyst that releases them and brings them back into relationship with the Father and with those that they love and know. How can I forgive myself, we ask, and that's a real issue. Because often the things that we have done make it very difficult for us to forgive ourselves because we're not like God. We don't forgive and forget. We forgive, but we never forget. That memory is constantly there. So how can I look at that guy or that gal in the mirror every morning, and how can I forgive myself for the things that I have done? When you look at our text in the book of John, chapter 21, three times Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me? You know what that tells me? It tells me that forgiveness often is a repetitive act. And when I'm looking in the mirror every morning, I often have to say, God has forgiven you, so I'm going to forgive you as well. If God can do it, I can do it. I will find the resources, the grace and the mercy through Him to bring forgiveness into my heart and into my life as well. Look at Psalm chapter 51. It's the story of David. He wrote this psalm after being confronted by the prophet Nathan regarding his adultery with Bathsheba. And David began to write Psalm 51, and he wrote words like, Oh God, cleanse me, wash me, purify me, cause truth to come alive in my heart again. You need to write that down and read it this afternoon. Matter of fact, read it from the King James and read it from the Message Bible. It's a powerful passage of Scripture. What it teaches us is that when we have been the offender, we've got to pour our heart out to God. We've got to confess it. We've got to admit it. And we've got to allow God to bring healing to us, in us, and through us as we confess our need to Him. James 5.16, James said, Confess your faults to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Now listen, 
I am not suggesting that we make it through heaven through confirmation, communion, and confession. I am suggesting that you need to have someone you trust in your life who isn't a busybody, who isn't a gossip, who isn't going to tell your business to everybody else, but someone you can confide in and say, look, I've got a struggle. I've got an issue. I need to talk to you about it and confess that to him. And as they pray for you, the Bible says you will be healed. See, here's the issue in Christianity. We lock that stuff inside. We don't tell anybody about it. We don't want anybody to know what we are and who we are. Can I tell you, every one of us know what we are and who we are. All of us know no one around us is perfect. We don't have that expectation. So you find someone you trust and you talk to them about it. That's the key to finding forgiveness for yourself and allowing God to do a good thing in your heart and in your life. And then how do we accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers to us? Think about it in John chapter 21. The Bible tells me this is the third time that the resurrected Christ has appeared to the disciples. Three times, twice before. And somehow they still don't get it. They still don't understand that everything he said really was true. You see, they had a problem because they didn't think he was going to be crucified. They thought he was going to be crowned. They didn't think he was going to die. They thought he was going to overthrow Rome and set up a new kingdom. See, and that's where we have a problem. That's why sometimes it takes us a little while to grasp the truth of God's plan. Because it doesn't fit with our plan. But if we're going to increase our capacity, we have got to sell out to plan A and murder plan B. We've got to allow God to do what he wants to do in us and through us. So how do I accept it? Realize that even when they were faced with the miraculous, you can read it in John 21 verse 3, Jesus appeared to them again. This is the third time. And Peter said in that verse of Scripture, even though he was faced with the miraculous, I'm done with this stuff, I'm going fishing. What was he saying? He's saying, I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back and I'm going to do the things I've always done. I've decided this thing of following Jesus, it just isn't really working out for me. Even in the face of the miraculous, the resurrected Christ, Peter and those who followed him went back to the sea, went back to the boats, went back to the nets, went back to doing what they'd always done. But notice when you read that scripture, they didn't catch a thing. Listen, folks, there is no, there is no provision behind you. There is no provision behind you. You need to hear that this morning. The provision is in front of you. The plan is in front of you. We can't be looking back all day, every day, bemoaning where we came from. The future is ahead of us, and we've got to move forward. The only way to increase your capacity is to stop looking back and stop, start looking forward. Recognizing God has something great for you ahead of you. And then because of the resurrection, when you read it in that scripture, verses 6 and verse 11 of John chapter 21, when you read it in that scripture, because of the resurrection, we understand that we become a people of abundance. They had fished all night. They hadn't caught a single thing. And what did Jesus say? He said, hey, put your nets on the right side of the boat. You know, I know that's, that's a great play on words, but it's something you and I need to remember. If we'll fish on the right side, if we'll live on the right side, if we'll get in tune with God on the right side, we will see His provision. We will see His abundance. We will see His care. But as long as we're doing things on the wrong side of the boat, the wrong way, we won't find the blessing of God. If you want to increase your capacity, start fishing on the right side of the boat. 
Do what God's asking you to do. That begins with forgiving those who've offended you and asking those that you have offended to forgive you. Tom, would you come back this morning, please? It begins when we begin implementing and practicing Scripture in our life every day. And then we see that Jesus meets them right where they are. He meets us right where we are. Peter had given up. He was going fishing. He was going back to the old life. When they got to the shore, Jesus already had breakfast ready, bread prepared, and fish cooked. We don't know where it came from. He just made it appear. It was there. That's a pretty cool thing if you think about it. Come on, we stress over everything. If we will just understand He has the capacity to take care of every need we have, regardless of what may or may not be in our hand, God is able. Oh, come on, folks. This is about faith this morning. Forgiveness is an act of faith. And to trigger your faith, to expand your faith, to enlarge your capacity, we've got to learn to forgive. Well, Jesus had breakfast already prepared for them. He met met them where they were. He is there ready with love and grace and forgiveness to offer to you and me. When you read that scripture, he said to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than those boats and nets? Do you love me more than your old life? Oh, come on, somebody needs to hear this this morning. You've been struggling with where you've been and where God wants you to go. And he's saying, do you love me more than your past? Do you love me more than where you've been? If you do, sell out, burn your boats, and follow me. Three times he said, do you love me? Do you love me? Then I've got a mission for you. And that mission is to feed my sheep. That mission is to teach my lambs. That mission is to care for my flock. Listen, anytime we come to the place where we understand the grace of God's forgiveness, He moves us to a point of mission. Now I'm going to get on my soapbox again because there are so many in the church today that love to come in and sit and worship and sing, but we fail when it comes to mission. I've got news for you. God has something for you to do. He didn't save you. He didn't redeem you. He didn't call you out of darkness and put you in His marvelous light so you could occupy space on a church seat and say, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, once or twice a week. He has a mission for you. There's something for you to do that won't be done until you step up and accept what God's asking you to do. He has a mission for you. Sometimes that's very, very difficult. Sometimes that's very, very hard. You can read it in John 21, 18 and 19, where Jesus calls Peter and then says to him, your end isn't going to be very good. It's going to be a pretty difficult road that you're going to walk. You see, we need to understand when we choose to increase our capacity, when we choose to live the Word, when we choose to forgive those who've offended us, and ask forgiveness for those that we have offended. Things change. Things change. It's amazing the way things change. Today is the day to no longer be bound in yesterday, to be tied up in an offense, to build walls that won't come down because of what someone said or did. Today is the day to let those things fall. Stand your feet with me, Tom. Begin to sing it out. This morning, if this word is ministered to you, if God has spoken into your heart and your life through the word of God this morning, as Tom begins to sing this beautiful chorus, oh, come to the altar. I just invite you to come and find a place to kneel here today. Talk to God about these things. Find the grace, the mercy, the strength that you need. 
to see change occur in your heart so that your capacity for the things of God, for the love of God, for the relationships that you're involved in can increase with grace and mercy. As he sings, if you need to talk to God about some of those things, just come and kneel at this altar this morning. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.